Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The panel. Jamie Wall and Mark Hinton are on deck this morning on the panel. A good chance uh, being a Monday morning to look back at uh, some of the action over the weekend. Uh, Jamie, first of all, if we can start with you this morning. uh, Rugby, uh, particularly Hurricanes, Blues and Crusaders all flexing the muscles with the pretty emphatic performances over the weekend. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and good morning, Mark. Uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, those, those... Results certainly did go the way we thought they would, and I was particularly pleased to see the Hurricanes actually just go and do what they're supposed to do uh, in a home game like that and uh, run in some good tries. And uh, against a pretty pretty disappointing Fijian Drua team that uh, obviously playing their first game outside of Australia, or first game in New Zealand at least, and uh, I guess the occasion kind of kind of got to them and and um, it didn't really show up at all, but. Yeah, the, the Blues game on, on Friday night as well, it was uh, really important that they sort of picked up their momentum after a couple of very flat weeks uh, over in Australia. But they, they still won, admittedly. Um, and so they've shown uh, in the last three weeks that they can win ugly and uh, win in a very, very pretty style because uh, that was a fantastic game to watch. Um, you know, unless you're a Melbourne Rebels fan, I, I don't know how you couldn't have possibly enjoyed uh, what, what went on at Eden Park on Friday night in front of a, a pretty decent crowd too. Uh, considering that it's Auckland on a Friday night and a lot of people would have still been stuck in traffic by the time it kicked off. Um, and a, 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 a team that probably isn't the biggest draw card uh, ever. And, yeah, as you mentioned, the Crusaders as well. Well, they just got the job done, as we as we thought they would, and probably the least surprising uh, result uh, of the weekend. Um, but, yeah, those, those three teams all uh, just getting the job done uh, and uh, getting that momentum as we head into the playoffs. Mark, uh of interest to me was the performance of the Chiefs back home, down a couple of players, but up against a, a pretty slick Brumby side uh, coached uh, by Dan McKellar, a uh, departing coach actually, Dan McKellar and Laurie Fisher, who's been around uh, longer than you and I put together. So uh, they are really uh, looking the goods, the Brumbies too. Yeah, I thought, I thought the Brumbies win against the Chiefs in Hamilton was probably the most significant result of the round, Smithy. I think we've all been waiting for them to maybe stumble a little bit in this um, trans-Tasman component of Super Rugby Pacific, and they haven't so far. They've got a tough run to come. They've got to play the Crusaders and the Blues over the next two weeks, and that's really going to sort out uh, the order at the top of the table, isn't it? But so far, so good from the Brumbies. They've got a very good pack. They know their identity. They know the style that suits them. Uh, that, I think that's what makes them the, the sort of biggest threat of the Australian teams. And, 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 you know, there's a consistency about the performances in there. So very impressed with the Brumbies. Um, um, let's see how they go against, I, you know, I think the two teams that everyone predicts could be in the final. Um, and, and particularly that game next week um, against the Crusaders is, is really going to perhaps sort out who finishes second if the Blues can win out from here. So, um, plenty of interest with the Brumbies there, but uh, I note, Smitty, we now have five, all five New Zealand franchises, if not discounting Moana Pacifica, 
into the top eight, which means we're going to, mm. um, you know, have five New Zealand teams in the quarterfinals, a pretty low um, threshold in terms of making a postseason for a competition, which has been discussed. But, um, yeah, we're all five of those teams at the moment on course, and you would have to think they'll probably be good enough to, uh, to get the results they need from here on in. So, yeah, good, good weekend. Um, all told, I thought the Blues were outstanding. Um, you know, a number of people were, were really good for them. Um, their forward pack particularly um, laid the foundation for the backs to really run amok. And Will Jordan for the Crusaders, 158 metres, 10 defenders beaten, three tries, three clean breaks. That is a stat line um, that is co- going to continue to give the All Breaks coach a lot to think about when he sits down to work out who his number 15 is going to be for this year. So, um, yeah, good weekend all round, um, all, all round, I think, for the competition. Mark, you've given me uh, uh, something more to talk about in terms of rugby here, actually, and I'll ask uh, Jamie this uh, first of all. Jamie, um, if you are Ian Foster and you do have to start thinking about things uh, pretty quickly, Ireland are not that far away, uh, who should he be taking note of, of, of the newbies? Uh, yeah, well, great question. Uh, and, you know, it's something that we're going to be talking about a lot more in, in the coming weeks um, because it is about that time that we start putting our... Uh, our shadow all black 15s um, together. Uh, for me, I think that it always comes back to the midfield. You know, we've been talking about the midfield for you know seven years now, and I started to realise over the weekend that the four midfield uh, right now, the two guys who are playing the best, um, a couple of guys who haven't even played for the All Blacks yet, um, or haven't played for the All Blacks, which is uh, Alex Nankamu and Lester Fayinganuku, um, both in fantastic form. Um, Nakedal found himself on the on the wrong end of a result on uh, Saturday night, but still managed to you know catch the eye. And he's a guy who's been who's really done it the hard way. You know, he's toured away on that Chiefs team for about six seasons now, um, and in the shadows, uh, and he's he's sort of having a couple of breakout seasons now. And Fanganuka, well, you know, he, he very much could have been on the in the All Blacks last year, uh, and now he's out there, you know, racking up the tries and playing some really good footy. So uh, those two guys, I think, uh, in the backs, uh, at least, um, and if, if not, um, both of them can play on the wing as well, uh, at the very least. Um, yeah, those, those, those two probably, uh, for me, uh, is, where, is where he should be looking, because, or Foster should be looking, because, again, um, the, the midfield question, I mean, it really could be anyone at the moment. Okay, it's 10.30 here on SENZ. We're going to take a a short break for Ottawa's uh, update and then we will be back with Mark Hinton and Jamie Wall to uh, perhaps look at uh, the Warriors, shall we? Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 10.32 here with uh, Jamie Wall and Mark Hinton this morning. Just before we leave the rugby alone, uh, Mark, I better give you your shot at uh, a couple of names that Ian Foster should be seriously considering. And uh, I, I, I offer up a couple um, who are playing uh, some pretty good rugby uh, in the forwards. And, and I say Peter Gassoakula um, and Marino and Michele Tu, uh, both uh, number eights for their respective franchises. Yeah, absolutely. I think Peter Gus particularly um, um, has to be looked at just with, with that X factor he brings. Um, um, you know, we've discussed this before. <laughs> He's not really your prototype all black uh, loose forward, is he? He's kind of a, a high risk, high reward type guy, but there's something enticing about him. I, I agree with Jamie. I love Lester Fung and Nuku as well. I think he brings so 
so many qualities and he's, he's again playing so consistently he's been knocking on the door for a couple of years now so I think he's got to be looking close look I, I'd throw Roger to have asked a check into there um, you know he's getting better every week uh, absolutely starting you know starting to really play top football now for the Blues and that combination with Rico Ioani is really starting to develop look there's a lot still a lot of upside with, with two of us to check and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the All Blacks carry him through this campaign as kind of a bit of a project to continue to develop develop him themselves and look a bit closer at him um, Blues hooker Kurt Eklund I mean I don't think he's going to make an All Black squad but there's not a more honest footballer in the competition than that bloke he plays hard every game he really produces um, so, you know, I think if there were injuries or opportunities open up, you could do a lot worse than give that bloke, uh, you know, an invite to a, to higher honours. And the second row I'm looking at, Smithy, I think it's very wide open. Um, second row, um, I don't know if there'll be a newbie as such, but, you know, the two Chiefs guys um, uh, who are playing now are both knocking on the door, Lord, and... Um, um, uh, I've, I've just briefly forgotten the name of the other but um, um, yeah I think Locke is very interesting, Brody Retallick not playing Sam Whitelock has he got another campaign in him um, Tupovai of course is who I'm thinking of I think he's playing outstanding football at the moment and Josh Lord is continuing to develop as a young guy so a lot of interest in, in the second row and, and, and where he is going to go there so um, yeah as Jamie suggests Smithy, I think it's pretty wide open and I think the, the last three rounds of the regular season and into finals footy is when um, some of these decisions will be made Jamie Wall, the Warriors 13 against 12, 13 against 11 at one stage, just could not anywhere near get the job done. Crazy. It is crazy. I think that's the best word to describe it because I can't understand how a team loses that game um, after having a one-man advantage for that long. I mean, a two-man advantage um, for another 10 minutes just for good measure. I mean, I've played rugby league before. Um, Playing with 12 men is not easy. Uh, You shouldn't be able to win. Um, from from that point, um, having a man sent off is far more of an affliction than it is in, in rugby union. I can I can tell you that much. Um, but then to go down to eleven and still hold the Warriors out uh, is I mean I, I will say one thing it says a lot about the Sharks. Uh, you know they're obviously a very good team. And hey, congratulations to their talent acquisition manager, general manager, whoever's pulling the strings. Over there, they deserve a pay raise for getting rid of Sean Johnson and bringing in Nico Hines because that's obviously a genius move. And it was proven beyond doubt uh, that it was a good move last night um, because you'd think that that would be a big game that Sean Johnson would be up for, you know, to prove a point. Um, and he just absolutely fell to bits, I thought, uh, both on attack and defence, um, which is a shame. I really like Sean Johnson. I got a lot of respect for him and in his career. Um, but I think that just right now, this, this worries him is just. Absolutely abject. Uh, you know, you've you've got you've had the two potentially worst losses of all time, and that team happened within a few weeks of each other. And the game, the, the, the it seems to be, they, they they seem to be the only the, the only team in the world where we talk that their their losses seem to be more memorable than their wins. Right now, this is it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I think there's got to be some massive questions asked about the coaching staff right now, not just Nathan Brown, but the guys he's got around them as well. Like, are the players even listening to him? Has he lost the dressing room? 
what is their plan on attack, on defence? You know, are they just making it up out there? Because I just couldn't believe what I was seeing um, last night. But like I said, credit to the Sharks. Like, that is a gutsy performance to, to come back and win. But the fact that they ran, they won it running away, it's just, it's just absolutely atrocious from the Warriors. I just I can't believe what I saw. Mark, do you want to add anything? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I'd endorse what Jamie said. It was an embarrassing defeat. In many ways, um, equally as embarrassing as the 70-10 loss to Melbourne. Uh, different circumstances. Look, Smithy, we, we, when the team goes up numerically like that, it often comes down to smarts and game direction, and the Warriors had neither. They, they were abject in terms of in terms of the way they needed to approach their numerical advantage. They didn't understand the concept of sustaining pressure. They didn't understand the concept of wearing down you know, an undermanned team that was clearly going to tire, um, having to um, cover for the loss of one and up to two players. Look, that's the first time in 14 years in the NRL that teams had a player sent off in the first half and managed to win a, win a match. It's quite extraordinary. Um, as Jamie touched on, look, the Cronulla were are a very good team and that was an outstanding performance but the Warriors contributed to their own demise badly there Sean Johnson I'm sorry but he was just Mark Dabson it was a game set up for him to take control of and he was nowhere to be seen and some of his kicking touches were just terrible um, the signing hasn't worked out I'm, I'm sorry to say and the Warriors back to the drawing board I'm I feel re- I really feel for their fans because they deserve better than this, and um, it wouldn't surprise me if they bounce back and have a great performance next week because this one was so bad. Right, let's uh, look at uh, some cricket um, news. And over the weekend, uh, I saw the headline as well. Um, Baz McCullum reportedly uh, a target of uh, England. Uh, now, of course, uh, being run by Rob Key, and uh, they're looking at uh, white ball coaches uh, in particular, and uh, certainly. Um, uh, Mark, the, if you look at that, then Brennan McCullum has uh, certainly uh, got to be a, a desired a desired candidate, doesn't he? Absolutely. I, you know, I really think um, he, in a way he's, he's an ideal fit for for what England are wanting to do and for where England find themselves. They look, they need someone that's bold, that's got initiative, that thinks a little bit outside the square. Look, that's Brendan McCullum, as you know, Smithy. To a T, you know, I think he'd be ideal. I don't think he would be. Uh, I think he would come in and shake things up a bit. You know? Looks like we might have uh, lost. Might have lost. Uh, Can't um, He just. It just seems to me like he'd be an ideal man to do it. So um, well done to them if if they're, if they're thinking along those lines. Um, whether Brendan's got time with all his duties at SCNZ and in, in the Indian IPL is another matter, but. Uh, um, oh, I'm sure they've got deep pockets and I'm sure they could afford his, uh, his fee. So, um, yeah, he just seems ideal to me, Smithy. Yeah, I, I do too. His, his relationship uh, with Owen Morgan is very, very close. And, of course, Owen Morgan has uh, been an extremely successful white ball captain. So uh, <clears throat> this is on the back too, uh, Jamie, of the news coming through or the likely news coming through that Daniel Vittori may well be... Uh, one of the big assistant coaches for Australia, um, all of a sudden uh, we're in, a, in a, an industry which uh, is known for people chopping and changing, cricket coaching, uh, we, we could be seeing uh, these guys against us uh, rather than for us. And uh, I'm not sure we, we want to see that kind of uh, development, that kind of experience uh, palmed across to somebody else. So I'm not sure what you can do about it, though. 
Well, Smithy, uh, you know, I've been pretty vocal on my thoughts about um, cricket coaching on the show uh, many times in the past. But, no, you're right. It is an interesting situation we find ourselves in um, with the likes of uh, Victoria and McCullum. You know, two icons of the game here in New Zealand, uh, potentially in charge or assisting um, with uh, teams that we regard as our absolute bitter enemies. Uh, uh, I, I guess it's just the, the way the way that it works. Uh, we've seen it in rugby um, before. Obviously, there's been a lot of New Zealand coaches going over and coaching um, other teams. Um, but uh, it's, it's an interesting one for me, given how much uh, knowledge is required of local conditions um, to to maximise a team's performance. Like why uh, teams would particularly look outside their own area, uh, given that you know the the amount of experience uh, playing in your own country would surely would would lend uh, a lot of knowledge to to a coaching setup. But I mean, I guess the people who are writing the checks know more than me. So yeah, I think it's just something we need to get used to. And um, you know, if Daniel Vittori does end up co-coach uh, assistant coaching Australia, um, good luck to him. And if Baz McCollum ends up uh, up in England, I guess that's good news for Tony Kemp because he can um, take over the morning show. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the thoughts uh, obviously going through the mind of our bosses here, actually, because uh, Baz uh, may well take that up because, as uh, Mark pointed out, the budget uh, won't be an issue. He could just about name his price to help England out. Uh, Mark Hinton, Jamie Wall, thank you very much uh, this morning. We only got to cover two or three subjects, but uh, I think it was uh, worthwhile going in depth onto uh, to all of them. So thanks for your time, fellas, and uh, we'll catch you again on the panel very shortly. We'll have another one at the same time. Tomorrow morning. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.